Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Join with me, let's welcome Kingsgate, Cambridge, Leicester, Cafe Church, those from London as well, to part two of our vision series. If you missed last week for any reason, uh, you didn't pick up one of these vision booklets, strongly encourage you to do so and then catch up uh, with the message on the web. So part two of our vision series, what we're looking at is we're basically turning a corner in 2020. We're, we're declaring it as the culmination of our four-year vision when we're turning the church inside out, but also the commencement of a new decade. And we're taking the manifesto of Jesus that is found, you saw the scripture reading there, amazing, amazing passage where Jesus quoting from Isaiah 61, Luke 4, 18 to 19, and particularly we're homing in on the last phrase, uh, which is this, <clears throat> the year of the Lord's favor. And in the Amplified Translation, I love this, it's, it's a time of jubilee, <clears throat> a time, can we say this together, when salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound. How many are looking forward to a time like that? When, like never before, we've seen measure of that, like never before, the salvation and the free favors of God profusely abound in and through Jesus Christ. Uh, I love the, the youth version. Uh, Phil and the youth team have simplified. Uh, to, they're on the same track, but they've just simply declared 2020, they're going for salvation and blessing big time. So if you can't remember the Amplified Translation, just go for that. Let's say that together. Salvation and blessing big time. And by the way, let's believe that for our youth as they're going away this week on youth camp for salvation and blessing big time over all our young people. Uh, so based on that Jubilee theme and on Luke 4, 18 to 19, we said that this year and almost to kick us off for the rest of this decade, we're committing ourselves to five things. I'd like us to read this together. Uh, you saw them again on the screen. So count of one, two, three. We're going to pray 
for an outpouring like never before. We're going to serve those in need like never before. Heal the sick like never before. Share the good news like never before. And throw a party like never before. Now, the starting point of all of that is the first line. We want to pray for an outpouring like never before. And that's what I want to talk about today. I'm super excited about this message. We're going to pray for an outpouring like never before. What do we mean by an outpouring? We're talking about God, sovereign God, in and through Jesus Christ, pouring out his Holy Spirit upon us in a way that we've never seen in our lifetime. That's what we're talking about, like never before. It's not like God's never done it before, but we in the UK and most of us haven't been alive long enough or in the places for where it was happening. So we are a generation that needs a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. Our nation, can I make obvious point, needs a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. Have you noticed? And so we're believing for what's known as a revival starting amongst us to overflow into a great awakening that will impact the community, the nation, and even transform society. <clears throat> you say, yeah, come on, that's, that's what we're going for. <clears throat> you say, what are you basing that on? Well, I'm basing it on three things. Firstly, I'm basing it on the fact that God has prophetically spoken over this house, get ready for a time of unprecedented revival. You've heard it through Phil Pringle. But again, for those of you there at Touching Heaven, uh, Pastor Dwayne White, who's got a prophetic ministry, again started speaking about something happening here that was going to affect many others. He was talking again about revival. And then he talked about how we need to pray for a great awakening, great revival, great awakening. So we, we've got prophetically some promises. But secondly, many of you know I'm a student of church history. I spent seven years actually studying revival. Um, God has done mighty things in our nation, in our history. How do you know God has not given up on in this nation? And so, you know, if we look back, I mean, just these last 31 years in Kingsgate, we have had on one level the consistent, wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit undergirding everything we've done. Why don't we just thank the Lord that he is here even today in our midst working, changing our lives. Amazing. There's another sense in which, starting in 1994, we were part of a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit that started in a Toronto in Canada <clears throat> that spilled over into other nations, particularly impacted many churches uh, across the UK. How many of you remember that? How many of you are alive and old enough to remember it? <laughs> now, 1994. Um, but it, it was, it was a, a move of the Spirit that was aptly termed, I believe, times of refreshing. It wasn't a revival because it was primarily for Christians. Uh, many of us got refreshed. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit where almost like a holy joy and a holy laughter. It was a good thing. It was a wonderful thing. There was mixture like any revival, but it's basically a good thing. But it wasn't revival because true revival does start inside the house, but it goes out. And it has to overflow into the community. So, as, you know, as I look back, the last real revival, classic revival, true revival that we've seen in the British Isles was in the Hebrides. How many know the Hebrides is a long way from here, wherever you're gathered? <laughs> and it's right up there in the north of Scotland. It was an amazing move of God. 
started around 1949 and was on and off for three years and then another kind of reoccurrence about 10 years later. But in that revival, again, like any revival, it started with prayer. It started with two sisters in their 80s. One was blind, one was crippled with arthritis, and they gathered together with the church leaders and said, we need to pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And they had a, they had a suddenly when the Holy Spirit came. And, and the reason that was a, that was a revival, not just a, a refreshing in the church is that apparently it's estimated that over 75% of people got first convicted or converted outside of the church. You had people, especially young people, getting convicted of their sin out on the peat bogs and out on the moors and running into the church saying, what must I do to be saved? Amen. So so, uh, one of the leaders, uh, the key Catalyst, humanly speaking, on the revival there, Duncan Campbell, did define revival as a community saturated with the presence of God. I mean, imagine Leicester City Centre saturated with the presence of God. Imagine the centre of Peterborough or your neighbourhood or your school where literally the atmosphere is such that people who don't even know God are suddenly aware of a holy God and come under conviction of their sins and cry out to Jesus, please save me, Lord. That's what we're talking about, revival. And then, you know, but, but that, that was localized up there. The, a bigger revival was in 1904 in Wales, where again, intercessory prayer, um, a sense of the holiness and the presence of God, people convicted their sin, turning to Christ. They estimate around 100,000 converts in a year in Wales. Do it again, Lord. Amen. And then for me, partly because that's my main focus of my studies, is the gold standard of revival was of such epic proportions that it was known as the Great Awakening or the First Great Awakening took place in this nation, also affected Wales, Scotland and, and parts of America um, in, in around the uh, 1730s. Again, the catalyst or one of the trigger points was on New Year's Eve 1938 into 1939, a bunch of young men in Oxford were crying out to God. Guys, have you ever heard of John Wesley? or Charles Wesley, George Whitfield, and others. They were calling on God, praying for him to move. The Spirit came down. They were knocked to the floor under the power and the holiness of God, and they went out and started preaching the gospel right across this nation into other nations. Literally, hundreds of thousands of people came to Christ. But more than that, it continued for decades after. It went into the next generation so that you start getting reformers like Wilberforce and other abolishing slavery. It was in that time that foreign missions came out of this nation nation and went all the way around the world. This was a truly, uh, a truly societal transformation and that's the kind of awakening that we need to be praying for yet again in, the, in, in this decade of 2020. Amen. Yes to affect us but to overflow into the world. So we've got prophecy, we've got church history, we've also got most importantly promises in the Bible. In Isaiah 44 verse 3, and this was a key inspiration for the Hebridean revival, God says, for I will, can we say this together, pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. And then we've got Joel 2, 28 to 29. Um, quoted by Peter on the day of Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit falls on the early Christians on the day of Pentecost. You can read up in Acts chapter 2. Um, and Peter goes back and says, this is what Joel prophesied. Listen to what he, uh, Joel prophesied. He said, I will 
pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Can I have a shout and an amen? Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Can I say, we are still living in those days after Pentecost. And then to circle back to Jesus, who is, if you like, the ultimate example When Jesus was being baptized in Luke chapter 3, before he'd done any miracles or preached any messages or or changed anyone's life, the defining moment in Jesus' ministry, he's at his baptism, the Holy Spirit is poured out on him and he goes out and basically changes the world. And so he gets up on that Nazareth, in that Nazareth synagogue and and he declares this. And this is the key to Jesus' whole manifesto ministry. It's the key to everything we're going to see accomplished in 2020 and in this next decade and for the rest of our lives. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. And so I want to do, with that kind of deliberately lengthy kind of introduction, just to get our face stirred for what we're talking about when we talk about an outpouring, an outpouring of the Spirit, revival and awakening. I want to just use five little um, sort of phrases or hooks for the message. They're, They're as follows. Open hands, open heavens, open mouths, open hearts, open doors. Wherever we gather, can we just say that together? Open hands, open heavens, open mouths, open hearts, open doors. The first thing, if we're going to see an outpouring like never before, we need to pray with open hands. Wherever you are, if you're able, would you just like to lift out your hands like this? What's it a symbol of? It's a symbol of prayer, isn't it? What are we saying? We're saying, Lord, we surrender to you. You might even want to say that as I'm just talking. We're praying with expectancy. The fact that our hands are lifted up, we're acknowledging there is a God in heaven without whom nothing is going to happen. We say, Lord, we're dependent on you. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand and we ask you to pour out your spirit upon us individually and together like we've never seen before. And if you agree with that, shout aloud, amen, amen. So we need to, you see, every revival in history, and I've studied many of them, without fail, The number one precondition with revival, along with repentance, is fervent intercessory prayer. People getting stirred to pray, and I believe God's going to do a lot through this message, but one of the things I believe the Lord wants to do is stir up within Kingsgate a fresh call to pray. We've been praying for the last 31 years, but let's pray for an outpouring like never before. For me, it's highly significant as I studied um, Luke and Acts for many years. Just there's a link that the the gospel writer makes between prayer always precedes the outpouring of the Spirit. Even in Jesus' ministry, he's being baptized, but Luke likes to to make absolutely clear it's as he was praying that the Spirit came. Can we say that? As he was praying. So how does God want to move? He wants to move as we're praying. He wants to come in answer to our prayers. Fast forward to the day of Pentecost. Jesus has died, raised from the dead. He's ascended. He's promised them the same Holy Spirit. So what do the disciples do? Just what Jesus did. And for 10 days, they're involved in prayer. And then suddenly the Spirit came upon them. 
You say, well, that was back then. Is that just for Jesus? Is that just for his disciples? No. We have the wonderful promise of Jesus in Luke eleven thirteen that God is a good, good father. Amen. He's a perfect father. And he said that if you, in, 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 I'm paraphrasing, imperfect human fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God wants to give us the Spirit. If you've never received the Holy Spirit, you can ask Him. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, you can ask Him. That's a promise for all of us. So let me just say, at the end of this meeting, in all of our gatherings, we're going to have a time uh, where we're going to invite those of you who've never received the Holy Spirit to come, and we would love to pray for you and, and ask God with you that God would fill you with His Holy Spirit like never before. And then we want to pray for all of us, the whole of Kingsgate, starting today and looking ahead to March. We've got another 10-day prayer season. Can I have a big shout and amen for that? We're going to be doing 24-7 prayer. We're going to be fasting as the Lord leads us. And we're going to be calling on God um, uh, from March the 15th through to March the 14th. We're going to pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So that's the first thing. Ready for an outpouring? Want God to do more? We need to come with fervent prayer, with open hands. Secondly, as we pray like that with open hands, we're praying with expectancy for what? For an open heaven or open heavens. That's what happens in revival. It's like they're praying, they're praying, they're praying. Again, I was listening to a lecture on the Hebridean revival and they said, uh, literally, as they were praying, praying suddenly... It was like, almost like a thunderclap and the Holy Spirit came and landed on those islands. In other revivals, it seems more gradual. It's more like a dimmer switch than a sudden light switch coming on. But, but God, the sovereign God, wants to change the atmosphere on earth through pouring out his spirit from heaven. And we want an open heaven, don't we, over uh, not just our church, because I think in a measure we have an open heaven. We want to pray for an open heaven over our cities, over our neighborhoods, over our places of work, over our nation and over the nations. And, and this is the pattern we see in the ministry of Jesus. And it's what we see in Pentecost. So back to Luke 3. Jesus is at his back. says, as he was praying, what happened? Heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Can I say Jesus already um, was already a son of the Son of God. He didn't need the Holy Spirit to come into him. He was already born of the Spirit. The Spirit is coming upon him to empower him for his ministry. And it says, And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I don't know, those of you who've received the Holy Spirit, one of the things we hear more often than, than not is there's an incredible sense of just a fresh revelation of the Father's love. You know what I'm talking about? Fresh sense, you can hear his voice more clearly. I love this. And so, do you know that because you and I are in Christ, we are God's beloved. And it's the Holy Spirit is here to wants to reveal the love of God to us in a whole new way. And then at Pentecost, the disciples, they're here, they're in their 10-day prayer meeting, they gather together, and it says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. And filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that came, uh, that separated and came to rest on each of them. Notice again, where does the Spirit come from? His picture is coming from heaven. 
What are the signs? Wind. We've had a fair bit of that recently. <laughs> what is the wind? Have you noticed you can't control the wind? There's the sense that this is a sovereign God. We do our part, we p- pray, we position ourselves, we seek him. And then, and then it's like the Holy Spirit will blow wherever he will blow. I'm praying, Lord, sovereignly move like the wind. How many know the wind's powerful too? Have you noticed? But the Holy Spirit isn't a destructive wind. He comes to bring life where there's death. Amen. And then he comes like fire. Fire's powerful too, but fire, particularly in the Bible, is often a reference to the holiness of God. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord. And when the Holy Spirit comes on us, like there's, there's, there's a purging of sin, there's a purging of compromise in our lives, and suddenly Jesus becomes more real and dear to us than anyone or anything else. Lord, send your fire. But notice we put these two incidents together. People say, well, you know, well, it's not about feelings. In one sense, the spirit coming isn't about feelings. It's about how we get transformed afterwards. But nonetheless, both these experiences were tangible. Something was actually happening. And this is what we see many times when people get filled with the spirit. I heard a great uh, story of somebody being on Alpha in the last uh, year or so. She said this, the Alpha Day was life-changing. I already felt like I'd accepted the Holy Spirit. I think she's saying that she'd become a Christian, she's born again. But we were asked if we'd like to receive the Holy Spirit from the front. I went up joyfully, but didn't really expect anything to happen. But it was just the most overwhelming feeling. And I actually spoke in tongues that day as well for the first time. I was so overcome with emotion, I just felt like I had a direct link to God I didn't feel like I could be, there could be any more warmth and love and happiness than I already had, and I was just blown away. That definitely turned it for me. I've just been like a different person since then. I think that the way I perceive other people, the way that I think, I feel like I've really received the Holy Spirit now, and I won't ever turn my back, ever. It's just a way of my life now. You see, when you receive the Spirit, everything changes. And we could replicate that with story after story. Many of people could tangibly say that in our lives. And again, if you want to receive the Spirit for the first time, we want to pray that God will do something like he's never done in your life before. For those of us who maybe got filled with the Spirit in in 1990 and we've been leaking ever since, let's pray for a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. Amen. Or maybe you got received last week and there's more, 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 more of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. So let's say this together. Open hands. We want to pray for an open heaven. And then thirdly, and this is the number one sign that actually happens to people. Third thing is open mouths. Um, You know, imagine you're in the bath and the bath gets full, full up. I hope in your bath you've got a little overflow place. Would you know what your tongue is? Your tongue is, your mouth is like the overflow of your heart. If you feel sad, it's hard, isn't it, to keep it in. It overflows. But when you're filled with the Spirit, something normally happens to our speech. And that's what we see all the way through again, Luke's account, Luke and Acts, starting right back. I don't remember a guy called Zechariah, who was John the Baptist's father. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first thing he does is he starts bursting out in prophetic praise. 
And then back to what uh, we're looking at Jesus. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Back to Luke 4, chapter 18, verse 19. What's the first thing that Jesus said he was anointed for? Let me read it to you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim. What do you proclaim something with? <laughs> your mouth. Something's going to happen to your speech. Proclaim the good news. To proclaim freedom. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Even now, why don't you just touch your, your lips and your mouth and say, Lord, do something fresh with my tongue. Do something fresh with my mouth and my lips. Purify my lips. Lord, bring a fresh purity and a fresh boldness, fresh prayer and fresh praise. The Lord wants to fill our mouths with prophetic praise and prophetic proclamation. You may take your hands away, thank you. Now, we see these two things happening on the day of Pentecost. The heavens are opened, fire, wind. Then it says in Acts chapter 2 verse 4, all of them, got, notice God didn't leave any of them out. <laughs> Sometimes I think when it talks about the Holy Spirit, people have this kind of rejection mentality. Oh, well, it'll be anyone but me. No, all of them. God wants to fill all his people. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice what happened to them. What's the sign here that they've been filled with the Holy Spirit? And they did what? They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It was the first sign that their hearts were full their mouths were speaking out in tongues. And if you read on, you'll notice that actually the, the languages they were given were not languages they'd learned. These followers of Jesus were from Galilee. And gathered all around in Jerusalem at that time on the day of Pentecost were Jews from all around the known world. And as these disciples burst out in prophetic praise, they start, uh, they start praising God in tongues. The people from other nations, Jews from other nations, recognize those tongues because they said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And in this context, the tongues was like a missionary sign that the Holy Spirit had been poured out. Do you know God can still do that today? But if you look at the rest of the New Testament, particularly Paul's teaching, there's three normal uh, uses of tongues that, that I just want to remind us of. Firstly, tongues is a beautiful way to praise God without understanding what you're saying. Tongues is a beautiful way to pray when you don't know how to pray. And as you start praying in tongues, you get built, built up. How do you sometimes get spiritually a bit tired? Anyone? How do you find like your spiritual tank getting a bit low? Can I say that if you can speak in tongues, can I encourage you, speak in tongues and do it a lot. Just don't do it in front of your boss on Monday morning, <laughs> but speak in tongues a lot. I want to tell you, this is, I still, you know, decades on, it's still the, probably the number one way I pray is, is I pray in tongues. I know I'm praising God, I'm praying, and as I'm doing it, I'm building myself up spiritually. And, and the great thing is, we're seeing people filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. That, that's what that woman described on Alpha Day. Just last week in Peterborough, a number of, our, you're going to love this, years two to five went forward um, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And a, and, a, and a whole bunch of them said they'd either heard God speak to them, they felt something, or they started speaking these words 
In other words, tongues. I want to tell you, Joel, up, Joel 2 is updated to today. He is pouring out his spirit even on our sons and on our daughters. The Holy Spirit wants to pour out his spirit upon us in a special way. I heard a great story of a, a Kingsgate Cambridge student who uh, got filled with the Holy Spirit a couple of weeks ago. And just the difference it's made. He, he starts he prays in tongues on the way to lectures and um, he prays in tongues in and um, around church. And he said, I suddenly feel a new peace and a new sense of closeness to God. Isn't God good? He wants to pour out his Holy Spirit and to change our lives. So there's, there's, there's the power that God wants to bring to our tongues that we might bring praise to him and prayer through tongues But can I say, even if we speak in tongues, there's something else that the Holy Spirit wants to do with our mouths. He wants to give us more boldness. If we are going to see revival, one of the greatest signs of revival is when Christians, not just preachers, but ordinary people, get filled with such a passion for people who don't know Christ and a burden for those around them, and they go around speaking out the the, the good news of Jesus. They gossip the gospel, and the gospel goes viral. I don't want a coronavirus. I want the gospel virus to go all across our communities. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Peter gets up, he preaches. 3,000 people get saved. They're having revival. They're having persecution. They go back to the Lord. They pray again. And this time, notice what happens. As they were prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We say this together. And they spoke the word of God boldly. Will you join with me in praying, Lord? Pour out a spirit of boldness upon us. In Jesus' name. Open hands, open heavens, open mouths, fourthly, open hearts. You see, what I've said so far is primarily something that God wants to do in us, among, in, in the church. He wants us to pray. He wants to pour out his spirit amongst us in a, in a different way. And he wants to anoint our lips. But I don't know about you. The revival I'm praying for, I'm saying, please don't just... Don't just pour out your spirit on us. Do do that, Lord, but let it overflow into some of our lost and hurting neighborhoods, even in easy driving distance of every one of our locations, upon places of work and culture where it's so dark, it's so lost, it's so godless. That's the kind of outpouring I want us to pray for. And for that to happen, we don't just need to pray that the Holy Spirit will come and do something to us. The Holy Spirit will will do something to to the people around us. Where yes, we're doing our part. We're sharing the good news like never before. But literally, where there is a supernatural openness to the gospel that currently we do not yet see in our culture. I want to tell you, that's the kind of change we want to pray for. And for that, we need to pray that the Lord... And it's only the Lord who can do this will open the hearts of individuals and multitudes like we've never seen before. You see, in Acts chapter 2, it wasn't just an outpouring of the Spirit on the disciples. It wasn't just that they spoke in tongues. Peter got up and preached a message about Jesus. Can I tell you, it's all about Jesus. And as he's preaching, this is what happens. I love this. It says, when the people heard this, they were bored and went to sleep. 
Is that what it says? They were thinking, oh, can he just stop going on? It says they were cut to the heart. Supernatural conviction. They were cut to the heart and said, what shall we do? Back to the prophetic picture Karen had last week of us being anointed, the river flowing out and people coming in saying, what must we do to be saved? I long, I long for a time where not only have way more people coming in, but there's a supernatural openness out there and people are literally coming under conviction of sin. They don't even know what it is, but they just know that somehow Jesus is the answer. Can I say all across the world in, in Iran and uh, Muslim countries and a place of other faith where often there isn't any church, Jesus Jesus is supernaturally appearing to people and they, they don't even know he is and they're turning up to churches and Christians saying, what must we do to be saved? Lord, do it again in our nation and in our cities. May you open up hearts. I love um, Acts 16. This is the very first convert in Europe. Paul get, is called over to Philippi in sort of modern day Greece. And there's a lady called Lydia. It says, the Lord, can we say this, opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And she and her whole household got saved. I was listening to a story about the Hebridean revival. And um, there, there was a family who were up in the Hebrides in the middle of the revival. And they got saved. And as they were giving their life to the Lord, one of the family members who wasn't in the Hebrides, but was in London working, suddenly come, came under conviction. The Lord hope opened her heart. And she got saved at the same time as the rest of her family. The Lord's opening hearts. How many of you know people around you? Maybe neighbours, maybe family members, maybe work colleagues, maybe people you see all the, all the time and, and you just think I, I, there's, there's a closeness. They just don't seem to be aware. Let's, let's be praying for them like never before that the Lord's going to open the hearts of hundreds and thousands of people all around us that they might come and know Jesus supernatural openness and that's why we've got these VIP lists I talked about last week you've got a you can write about in 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 your vision booklet because as we pray for people by name as we bring them before the throne of God what are we saying Lord open their hearts to the gospel in Jesus mighty name and then the final thing is I want to talk about briefly open doors if we're going to see revival, we don't just want to see individual salvation, although we want to see a lot of that. We actually want to see open doors into whole communities. Whole communities. You see, Lydia was the first convert in Europe. The Lord opened her heart, and from then, would you agree that God opened a pretty wide door into Europe, then we're still part of it? And then Paul goes back into what we know as Turkey, Asia Minor, and he starts preaching in Ephesus and listen to what Paul says about being in Ephesus there's an amazing door of opportunity standing wide open for me to minister here so what part do we play if the Lord was an open up a door in a city or a community wouldn't that be incredible the good news is we can pray look to what Paul says in Colossians 4 verse 3 and please pray for me what's his prayer request that God will open a door of opportunity for us to preach the revelation of the mystery of Christ. Can I say right now, we are beginning to see a, a greater door for the gospel opening up in Peterborough than we have potentially done at any time in 31 years. And I'm going to be sharing a bit more about that 
uh, committed members. But right now, I just want to give one example of what God's doing uh, into the Romanian community with a great young couple called Carmel and Ioana. Please watch this. We moved to the UK over 10 years ago from uh, Romania and during this time we didn't really connect with the Romanian community at all. But about two years ago God has placed on our hearts a passion and a burden to reach out to the Romanian community. And we started to pray and seek God on what could we do to actually reach out to them. And so we started with a playgroup uh, where mums and dads were welcome with their toddlers. Uh, soon after we launched the Romanian Connect group meeting monthly and that was a great opportunity for us to connect and meet new people. And our aim was really to make friends and be there for people, particularly young families that, that were coming to the meetings. We had barbecue nights, we had film nights, we had interest evenings, we organized a national day where over 185 people attended. Great fun. Uh, and so in the last two years we grew from uh, just the two of us, our daughter Abigail and Carmel's sister, to now over a hundred people well connected into the group which is great. Uh, during this time we also realized there is a need for a polling station for the Romanian elections in Peterborough uh, which we organized twice so far and that meant a lot of favor with the embassy. So our posts now on social media reach more than 2,000 people which is absolutely great. Then we've got incredible favor with, with people and they started to ask why are you doing what you're doing and that opened the door for us to share our hearts with them and we invited them to the first Romanian speaking Alpha course last year. 16 people were on the course and then uh, we've done the season of uh, well-being that we had here in the church and we had 54 people coming to those meetings and every week we had new people coming and we has such an incredible time and people wanted to carry on. So starting January this year, although we already had two Romanian speaking live group, we decided to multiply those so we can welcome all the people from well-being and now we have five Romanian speaking live groups exploring the Christian faith and most of them reading the Bible for the first time. It is really a privilege to be able to serve these people and we've personally been really blessed with new friends. Um, God has really favoured us with great leaders, fantastic leaders, people who are willing to just step up and do whatever is needed. I think for us it was down to, we began in prayer and then we're opened to just love people and then really God did the rest. And in the Cambridgeshire area, there are 15,000 Romanians at the moment. And really our passion is just to reach out to them and show them that they are loved and valued. Firing. <clears throat> Wherever you gather, why don't you just put your hand on your heart right now and say, Lord, do it again. Do it again, Lord, in my neighborhood, in, in, in my area, in my city. I, I, I want to pray right now for Kingsgate, Cambridge, that God will open up a door for you, for the gospel, like, like he said 10 years ago, that, that you've never seen before. I pray over Kingsgate, Leicester, over us in Peterborough, in this center. I pray for students, that you would start seeing doors open to other students in your community. I pray for young families. I pray for those of you at the school gate. Suddenly, you'd see an openness like you've never seen before. I pray for people in their workplace and in their businesses right now that they would start seeing open hearts and open doors and together we come before you Lord with open hands and we pray Lord pour out your spirit upon us like we've never seen before. Let there be a revival and a great awakening in us and around us in Jesus' 
mighty name. If you agree with that, shout aloud, amen, amen, amen.